0: Going on, guys. Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Holpus on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week we have Simon Brody from Drowning Man. I was stoked to get him on the show. My buddy John from the Be- Beautiful Mistake hooked us up, and uh, Simon was a great dude, and we had a great chat. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. We held off till the time was right, uh, but the time is right. So this week, Simon Brody from Drowning Man. Drowning Man is back. They're doing new music. It's fantastic, Uh, and I'm stoked to see them doing music again because they were an amazing band. They are an amazing band, Uh, and the new stuff is awesome, so you have to check them out. If you've not heard Drowning Man, go check them out. Um, They're really influential in the scene and just uh, an amazing, amazing hardcore band. Uh, Speaking of hardcore bands and and heavy music, I wanted to showcase a band for you guys this week. Uh, My buddy Omar Sanchez has a band called Sons of Thunder. And this song is called Despair. Uh, It's on YouTube. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, They've been around since 2006. Uh, They took a little break, but they're back and they're working on new music. Uh, So I want you guys to check out Sons of Thunder Despair. Blank screen and a black soul, Got me loose on my mind, I'm going out of control Tell me, can you help me? Because I really need somebody to talk to I'm living medication for my brain Really wish that I could wake up from a dream i talking to the demons in my head I have to set myself so strong just to take away the pain Smoke my lungs, I mean Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed that track. It's Despair by Sons of Thunder. Uh, Again, that's my buddy Omar Sanchez. He's in the inner circle. Uh, He's an awesome dude and his band is great. And uh, just trying to showcase some new music for you guys here and there. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, So let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right into the episode. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with any questions or comments or ideas. Uh, I want you guys to join the Facebook group, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. That's on Facebook. Just search that in the search bar and you can join and you'll be able to see who's coming up, who I've had on the show so far, uh, and who's in the hopper. Uh, It's just a little glimpse into behind the scenes, if you will. Uh, If you want more behind the scenes, you can join the uh, Peer Pleasure Podcast premium service, and that is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. There you'll find the videos of the episodes, you'll find the past cast, as well as the ad-free feed. Uh, And if you are listening to this on Spotify right now, go and rate the show. You can rate the show with a star rating on Spotify now. It's been years in the making trying to do this, and now you can finally do it. So if you're listening on Spotify, click out of this and go review the show or rate the show, rather. If you want to review the show, you have to go to Apple Podcasts, um, and we love seeing those reviews come in. So keep those coming. Keep the emails coming. I'm really stoked to see where the show is going every week. I know I say kind of the same thing every week just because... It's an ever-evolving thing, but initially what you guys are here for is the interviews and the conversations, so I try to keep these short uh, and stay out of your hair. But without further ado, let's jump into my chat with Simon Brody from Drowning Man.
2: Going. Awesome. we're going and we're going
0: hell yeah dude how are you
2: um I, I around 10 o'clock today was really gonna get a hold of you and let you know that i probably didn't think this was gonna happen because uh, i am waiting to get a root canal i have an abscess tooth um oh, i went shit. to the dentist yesterday i have an abscess tooth growing and it's like uh you're giving me antibiotics. I think that's starting to work. I'm fighting through it. Jesus. First COVID. Yeah, <laughs> bring it. Keep bringing it. The hits keep coming,
0: dude. An abscess tooth. Yes. That's fucked up.
2: Oh, oh, and, and, and may I introduce? To, I, I thought this was a good background to have right here. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. me man, rock and roll killing machine with a broken tooth on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, dude yeah how did that how did that happen like you just started getting pain in your jaw or something like how do you even know <laughs> um
2: i had i hadn't been to the dentist for a few years because of covid um and i went in there i i i, uh, I ground my teeth at night oh and it was like i just felt a crack and i went in there and they put a temporary bridge on it and they were going to fix it a month later. But then I had COVID, so I couldn't go to the dentist. Um, and then meanwhile, a, a nice little abscess started to develop. So,
0: Interesting, yes. Interesting, dude. That is, Take care uh, of yourself, no
2: people. Take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. Everyone. Yes. Damn. Because you had an emergency root canal, didn't you, the other day? I did. That's what the bridge was or whatever? Like that, I don't understand that stuff, but like...
2: The bridge and the, they put on the permanent bridge. Yeah, I didn't understand all of it. And it's like they're meant healthcare right now. In the US, well, in the North Country here in, in uh, upstate New York, it's so fucking overburdened. And it's just, you think these people are trying as hard as they can to get people in. Um, but it, it, it's rough. Like, what do you tell a person? Like, oh, I know you're in excruciating, blinding pain, but you're going to have to wait until Tuesday.
0: Yeah. 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 How are it's you feeling do. right now? Are you in some pretty good okay. pain right now?
2: You know what? I was in such pain, but right now I'm turning the corner because they caught that. So they did do the emergency root canal and the tooth next to it just was starting to develop an abscess and they're looking at it. And the dentist called over the hygienist and said, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? Like, and I'm like sitting there with stuff. Like, I'm glad you find my uh, abscess aesthetically pleasing, but let's, you know. So they gave me the antibiotics. Um, I've I turned the corner where it no longer just hurts to touch it. I think that's, you know, that's where it was really, really bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting past it, getting through been a lot of that this last year you know yeah you adjust to things as they come at you
0: dude I've been having oh. the weirdest time this year like my whole life I've suffered with depression and and other things but like this year especially I've just been getting these really hopeless feelings like I'll just sit there if I sit there for long enough I'll spiral <laughs> down this this rabbit hole of hopelessness like is this it? Is this all that's left? Is this always going to be happening? Is this our new reality? Uh, all these weird thoughts start flooding my mind and just start going down this hill of, of shit.
1: Thank
2: geez. Okay. So think back to uh, where we were this time last year. And where we were this time last year, it started to feel like things are going to start to change. Like people are, you know, things that had gotten canceled before, they're starting to talk about, we're going to have live music and stuff. And like, Hey, this might be, you know, towards spring, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're seeing stuff like furnace fest and all that drop off, you know, it start to happen, like be announced. And then now we're just going back downhill again. And I think this time they told me after I got COVID, I've been completely cleared that my lungs are, you know, that got hundred percent, you know, oxygenation in my blood 100 I'm, I'm good with that so yeah i mean i don't know what can you do at this point besides this keep going i think that we're gonna see um it's gonna be not as bad this time the doctor even told me he's like Method is a great time to catch covid but you know it's it's getting milder
0: mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. absolutely dude absolutely yeah well, yeah. Fuck, man. So John, John from Beautiful Mistake connected us together. Yes. Uh, yeah, thanks to good John. Job. He's always throwing people my way. He's, "You should talk yeah. to this person. Yeah. You should talk to this person and, and it it's uh, it's hilarious because he always has such good suggestions and he's always usually able to connect people that way."
2: Yeah. No, I I, I you know what? great guy don't know him well but i just like since he and i have been talking you just you meet genuine people in this kind of i think there's still that element of an underground like we're doing something that you know we've got our thing mm-hmm. you know you're not one of us like in a way where you know people that are dealing on the you know squares or whatever you know whether it's not just limited to hardcore kids emo kids all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I still think that translates, um, that, you know, we're all doing our stuff. Absolutely. This is not as good. When I did that podcast with iodine it, every once in a while, I'd be like, can you, uh, can you cut that part out? Can you pause that? So <laughs> can you do that on the, if, if whatever goes on the, yeah, let this go.
0: Yeah, dude, it just uh, goes, man. I it, it's not live, so it, anything can be changed. Oh, uh, um,
2: all right. Because the other thing I'm gonna say to you is uh, that iodine related podcast where I really can't. I, I went through a lot of stuff um, with recovery, mm-hmm. but also since then, uh, in the last year, I've discovered the uh, medicinal uses for that marijuana plant, mm-hmm. and that is why my tooth feels fucking fine right now because i've got something distracting me from the pain i might go a little
0: Meh. dude like but, i said yeah. I've, I've i've had the gamut on this show and <laughs> just nothing i i've had i've had i mentioned keith morris who tell
2: me no tell me about that dude. how was he god damn it <laughs> yeah, well he, he, he's got to be like i like seeing those, like hr too like some of those they're just fucking burnt
0: dude dude uh keith is awesome keith uh keith's gonna come back on actually um but i had no idea what i was getting into because he can talk and he just went and he literally just went i said like four words and uh through the whole thing he just went like all right so we're gonna talk about uh uh my underwear I'm wearing I'm wearing women's panties, like red women's panties. He starts going off. And uh I was sitting in like my union hall classroom where I was using as a studio right? at the time. And I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm on the phone with Keith Morris, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> but then we're just talking weird, about weird. the weirdest shit. And it was awesome. But like it, that one was I just reached out to him on Facebook and he hit me back and was like, sure, how about in next month or whatever? And and uh, we rescheduled a couple times. Um he's diabetic so he had some really bad days good days he's i think he's yeah. in his 60s um and right. but he was great but it was just like a chaotic conversation and then right. i've had i mean like hr i knew what i was getting into with hr just because uh with the amount of medication he's on you just have to get him talking and keep him talking so i don't write down questions for this show but that one i had to and it was weird
2: if you- if you ever found a fucking way, I used to do zines, and this is back when you know that that was kind of the entry into the scene, into like you you started to do stuff and get involved and build a community and follow, you know put on shows, this and that. Um, it, although, I mean, you grew up in Alaska. I grew up in Vermont, where the closest dirt road is like three miles away. So I know about that shit. Like, yeah. it, did you did you have brothers and sisters?
0: Uh, yeah, I have. I have. Well, I had, I had multiple brothers and sisters. I have left now. Left. I have a, a half sister and then uh, a brother. So, okay, uh, yeah. a couple I of them have, away. I
2: have, I, have, I have a couple of half sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, half sister, half brothers too. Yeah, but I grew up in that in that kind of isolation by yourself. Mm. Like that's some stark shit. Yeah, this view is beautiful. I don't give a fuck. I want to go to New York City. I want to see you know. I want to see the. I don't know.
0: Whatever. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, yeah. That isolation is always crazy. And I just had. Yeah, you know, it was me and my little brother uh growing up in the household, and so it was. I always had someone around. He's four years younger than me, so. Uh, by the time I was discovering things like it was all about distancing myself from, not from him, but from his group, because I was into this now, like, and then you can catch up later, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, having uh, growing up without a brother, I'm thinking too of, uh, as I've said, I've listened to some of your podcasts. I've been doing a lot of, cross-country driving mm-hmm. back and forth to see my kid. Um Some of the stuff you've talked about, about growing up in Alaska, this just resonated with me, this, this whole separation from, you know, this other scene going on. And, and I mean, when you were living up there, were you in, into any of this stuff up in an uh, isolated scene like that?
0: Oh, yeah. 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 We made our own. We made our own right. scene that like, you had to that no one came up there like unless it was Ozzy or Pantera or or right. Stone Temple Pilots. Like it, we, there was a one club called Giggs Music Theater and it was run by right. a guy named Brian that that um uh, he was he worked concert security. So like when my high school band opened right. for Bad Religion, he was in the front doing the barricade, but he also owned Gigs. And that's where local bands could play. It was two levels. One level was like a lounge on the top, and then the bottom level was the stage. And that place was amazing. But it closed down. They built, they they jacked up the rent, I think, and then tore it down and built like an apartment building or something, like they do everywhere. Um, Right. So it was gone. So then we had to find ways to rent out the Fairview Rec Center or this room at the college, or uh, we did shows at the Little Caesars Pizza we worked at. After hours, like we practiced there, like we had to make our own. Oh, scene. that's
2: that. That's great. I, I i hate to interrupt, but when we were talking about, like, are we going to be like, what if this COVID thing is permanent? And it's like, oh, we'll, we'll just instead of playing shows, we'll go set up a camera and just play in a fucking convenience store, just like clear out the fucking candy racks and stuff, <laughs> just play like these weird gorilla shows like that. Yeah, I mean, I love that. It's one of my favorite shows we ever played. I swear, top five drowning man shows we played in a pizza joint in um some suburb of uh ottawa <laughs> in a pizza place this band before us played the place closed at 10 we had 10 minutes to play after this plan played with very long exploratory like stoner rock. i don't i'm glad for you I don't want to stand here and listen to it. So then we played and we had enough time to play one song and we just knocked over all the tables and, and, just, and then cleaned it up afterwards, which is like weird, but you know, it was performative. Yeah. You know, it was, it was like a little, a little burst of, uh, of good times Dude. that you had to clean up afterwards.
0: Yeah, Of, of course it, it, you had to make your own way. And that was, I miss those days. I do, you don't realize yeah. the good old days are happening When they're happening which is so messed up And cliche to say but like You really don't like That was the best time those shows were so Fun like we went on to play You know shows for tons of people and none of those Meant as much as any of those shows we put on Ourselves
2: You, you know what would be great this would be my ideal Show is Thousands of people would come And then afterwards Everybody would leave except for like Four or five people I don't care who Mm-hmm. Like I can deal with that amount of people. You know, I I like that, that that kind of community. It's weird you like that community when the shows are small and then it gets like really spread out and it gets, you know, very political and Whatever you know about yeah. something completely different. How many people are you know showing up that night, and you're talking about like sound scans and? Yeah. Uh, well, now is it, now it's all t-shirt sales, right? Yeah, we already did. It's a merch month. company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. my my band is is putting out a new t-shirt.
0: Mm-hmm. That's actually happening Follow. now. These merch drops are literally like taking over. They make make fifty grand in a day just from dropping some merch, and then. That's it. Then it's gone and you make another we, one and you we, make another one. We
2: we just did our first merch drop and it did all right. Um go to at drowningman.life and order some stuff. <laughs> Was that subliminal? I changed my voice there. Um yeah, it's a it's a weird world. Well, also this whole thing of um a lot of bands now, I guess record labels aren't paying for your recording anymore a lot of people are going to the record label with their stuff already done. And I don't know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a strange thing too. So, but it feels good at this point, you know, in our career, like we've always been on a record label. It kind of feels good to like not have that holding us down and that we're older now and we have jobs and can actually fund it. And it's like, we we can keep control over this. That's
0: kind of cool. Yeah, dude
2: yeah so i mean i think with everything going on the way the world is kind of you know things have changed you know we've adapted to covid but where do we go from here and i really think that we need to return to that some some of that kind of like you know more grassroots community type of stuff and you know we're from vermont and i'm not trying to do some bernie sanders type shit here but maybe i am i mean i don't know it's a we we had a different experience where you're talking about having to go out and find different places to play. He opened a team center, and we had like Fugazi and millions of other great bands come through there. Um, we were super lucky to have it. I think people should be more supportive of the arts. Uh, I'll end that rant.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the thing we've talked about before, but like the tribalism, like finding out – like that kind of disappeared that that close knit group disappeared when the internet came along and connected everybody i mean this is one thing weird i was thinking about and not to make this whole thing about covid but like the world changing on its own uh it's kind of weird to think about i was driving the other day and i was like man all this push for technology uh the internet uh video calls voice uh, like all this like technology improving how we connect to each other without being with each other was all for the purpose of this like it was all if we didn't have this it would be insanity but like it was almost like it was meant to happen like let me turn it
2: this way let me turn it this way what if you were a science fiction writer, and you wanted to talk about this global pandemic where everybody is being told to separate themselves as much as they can. We've developed these technologies where we have uh, decided to separate from each other as much as we can and not have face-to-face conversations, have video calls, and this. And that. What happens then? Like we've really set ourselves up to a point where. We have to get back into rooms with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I certainly don't want to be irresponsible and say until this is we're dealing with this stuff. We're going through it. But I think that when we. If and when we have that opportunity, we have to be grateful for it. And we have to seize that. We have to, like, you know, connect and build community again instead of. Caring about merch sales. Mm -hmm. Exclusively, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know.
0: And rap. Do you remember the? Do you remember the last thing you did before all this went down, like before the lockdown hit for the first time for you? Like the last. See, I went. I went and saw Tool at the Moda Center here. Um, I got some tickets through a publicist friend of mine, and and I took a buddy of mine, and we're sitting there with all these people, and we knew it was coming, but we all kind of felt weird, like should we be in this giant arena full of people? And then it was over. Yeah. That was the last thing I did before all this went down. Do you remember your last thing?
2: Jesus. Fucker. We were, uh, I wife and kids, we had gone to, we were going every, um, spring break to Colorado to go skiing. We'd found a, a good, like well-priced resort and whatever. My kids were really good at skiing right away. If we were going there every winter you get so isolated up there you don't have a uh, good cell service we're driving back and you know we're starting to get cell service and we're seeing all this stuff what the fuck happened there with the toilet paper wars like i really thought you know i i was for a while to kind of like we didn't know what was gonna happen so to make my kids feel better and to make a game out of it we had uh toilet paper survival drills like we would uh we would go play down by the river and stuff and you know, what would you use as weaponry to protect your toilet paper stash? <laughs> yes. You know, fun games like that. You gotta do stuff like that you're using your kids, otherwise they're gonna think of like what horrible things are happening. Let's laugh about it. Yeah.
0: Yes. Good lord. <laughs> toilet paper war defense.
2: Jeez, but
0: that was a weird thing to
2: come back to. But you you're right, but all of a sudden it's like, Wait, what's going on mm-hmm. here? and
0: Yeah. So you you were up there with your wife and kids. Like this was like a yearly thing. Spring break uh, Mm. ski trip is what you're saying. So, so you, but now you're traveling back and forth to see, so did you go through your divorce recently then? Or were you guys still traveling together?
2: What happened was, uh, so that happened. We get home and um, my wife, we were both kind of on edge. Okay. Everybody's on edge. Um, we decided to get the divorce the day that lockdown started. So oh, when we Jesus. had to spend, we had to spend fucking 10 weeks together living in the same house. Um, and you know what I did as soon as I knew that was happening, that this is clearly what's going on. Um, me and uh, my friend Devin Malinowski, who is the worst fucking Call of Duty player ever. No, actually, actually, he's a, he's a semi-professional esports athlete. I went out and got an Xbox because that, that's what you do when a marriage is over and you've decided, to, you know, you got COVID, you're just hunkering down and you start to play Xbox and Call of Duty. That's the end of that <laughs> Sorry.
0: Good Lord. So
2: that's yeah. uh, that
0: makes more sense. I was saying, I, I knew uh you had talked about driving back and forth to see your kids. I didn't know that that was happening so recently. That would, like I know you were traveling but that that, that, that ended that so was,
2: recently. So th- it started at the beginning of COVID. Um it ended uh like I left Kansas in June uh of this year. So it was a very extended uh mm-hmm. engagement. Uh, don't really I think it was a hard time for everybody I remember seeing an article where people were talking about relationships that were in trouble it's like oh we're locked down this is going to be great it's finally going to give us a time to you know get down in there and you know root out these issues and two weeks later like nah yeah no I'm not enjoying this person right now Um. and uh I don't want to get overly political about it, but uh, the reason why there was a very sharp divide at that point is we had a a very fundamental disagreement about uh, vaccination.
0: Mm. Okay. That'll do it.
2: Yeah. Um. I don't want my kids, I don't want my kids dying of, you know, diseases that uh, people died of in like 1880 and shit. Mm -hmm. I I just don't want that. So that's all I've got to say about that. And we can move on to a different subject.
0: Yeah, dude, absolutely. (laughs) I understand exactly where you're coming from. Exactly where you're coming from. Um, It's funny. Yeah. The people have actually unsubscribed and like commented (laughs) and reviewed this show. I think I once said, I, I was talking to Adrian Young from No Doubt and- we had to reschedule because I had a booster shot or whatever. Uh, my second shot got moved up and I mentioned that to him. And then I said, Oh, are you vaccinated? He's like, Oh yeah, cool. And that was about the gist of it. That, that was it for the conversation. And the guy commented that, uh, pushing their their vax uh fucking what would you say pushing their wow. vax uh i've had enough of this show blah blah i'm out of here and like oh i'm fucking I'm hate that it. like, it's become politicized
2: what? it's become politicized and it's also almost become uh like when i go to the doctor whatever If they ask about your vaccination status it's like something like oh we need to be you know gentle here about it you know like mm-hmm. it's cool what you've decided to do it's not fucking cool um as a lawyer it's like it's the same thing as saying well i've decided i'm going to have an open air septic tank in my backyard neighbors fuck you you know it's like it's the equivalent to that that's what being a lawyer is is making good analogies
1: dude
0: i want to talk about that because this that and i was joking with you on text the other day like oh man i get to talk to a lawyer and not have to pay for it uh
2: Oh, are you, are you, are you, are you at all sure you're not related to my uh,
0: family at all? Probably not. (laughs) Uh, How do you go from being the singer of Drowning Man to becoming a lawyer? Like, where does that, where do those lines connect? Like, I know the singer of Drowning Man is not who you (laughs) are, but how does that, how do you say, I'm going to go to law school and become a lawyer?
2: It is, it is. It is who I am. And um, I became a lawyer, which is something that I always wanted to do. It's something I did um, near the last stages. Drowning Man got back together with um, a lineup that did not include the two guitarists who are, you know, B-band, you know, Matt Roy and Javen Leonard. Um, so it, uh, you're going to you have to pause this one. i'm I'm trying to figure out where i'm going i'm I'm trying to say uh, because this is like a big long thing and i'm trying to think of the shortest way to say it shortest (laughs) way to get from point a to point b uh (coughs) give me the question when we're tired
0: just how just how you go from being the singer in a band like that's what you're doing to becoming i'm gonna go be a lawyer like
2: okay uh well i talked about this a lot in my uh Yes, uh, we uh, did that second reunion. And at that point, um, it was after Dry Man had broken up. I moved out to the West Coast to be in a band with uh, Pete from Lifetime and uh, Ian from Kuala Lumpur Wild City. And it's, it, I mean, the band was really good. We were just, and uh, we were getting label offers, and then we just decided to be idiots and we kind of blow that whole thing up. Um, I moved back, got dry Man back together. Uh, in the meantime, it's because I was doing drugs. Is it, I've been sober for fifteen years, uh, no drinking, uh, no opiates, none of that stuff. Uh, so. I mean, it, I, it was in the process of myself getting clean. Um, I was living in Kansas. I had run out of options of places to go. I was fucking uh, teaching English in Korea. What? Yeah. Um, so after that band, uh, after that last lineup had broken up, and this is a tour where it it, it, it just got ugly. Um, uh, we were on tour with a band called Blackout Pact. Um, from Colorado
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I think they're on Eyeball Records um, yeah and that tour ended ended badly I remember <laughs> there was one I, I was sitting on a stool on stage just smoking Newport 100s and the guy from the show kept coming in and asking me to put them out and I would put them out and then he was walking back towards the door I would just light them again because I, I, I had just fully given up just yeah. and I was just being a drunken asshole Um because 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 the record label hadn't done this or done that or you know sent out the promo stuff. So uh broke up with my girlfriend soon after that. The band well the band obviously broke up. Um so what am I gonna do? If you have a a college degree, you can go teach English in Korea and off I went. So uh, only to discover it's very easy to get, uh, prescribed opiates in um, in Korea. So I did that for a few months, uh, ended up back in Kansas at my half sister's house, uh, got sober and I've been sober for 15 years. Um, three years into being sober, I was kind of like, you know, I'm getting my stuff back together. Okay. What am I going to do with my life? i taken the LSAT. We're going to go to law school. And I did that and
0: uh, started a family. So so you said there's a lot to unpack here, but you said (laughs) it was something you'd always wanted to do. You always wanted to go to law school or be a lawyer. Uh, Was that, did I hear that correctly? (laughs) You did.
2: You did. Uh, This is strange. People have asked me, like, when did you know you wanted to be a lawyer? Um, I used to go spend, uh, vacations with my, my real dad and he would mostly be gone and I'd I'd be home. It was from watching the fucking movie, the paper chase, which is like, you know, old movies from the Mm seventies about a kid in a guy, a first year law student in Harvard and how grueling it is and how like people, you know, had mental breakdowns and it's just like kids watching movies about like basic training in the army. For some reason, I watched that, and I'm like, I want to fucking do that. I don't know why. That that was it.
0: It's weird. That's really strange. So maybe because it seemed difficult, <laughs> like you could see how much work it takes to get there. Like it's not something everyone, anyone can just do.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and when I did it too, I mean, I by the time I did it, um, my eldest niece she had just been um diagnosed with a, a brain tumor at the age of 10 years old oh my God. and i was doing some work at that point i'm doing work for uh writing uh you know had a journalism degree and i'm writing for this organization it's, it's like a, a group of nonprofit for government contractors and i just thought man i wish i had more like what if she needs more treatment you know right now um it it was a fact of like i was just barely surviving and i wanted to have money for my family or to have a family of my own
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so
0: yeah wow
2: so law school seemed like a way to go yeah
0: yeah that's yeah what a fucking crazy turn of events dude i'm i'm sorry to hear that that's uh She she, this this was ten years ago. She's fine. Um it
1: developed
2: mental it it, uh it it did her brain is is a little bit different than other people's Mm um um she's an amazing artist great kid um she's very into like anime cosplay stuff very creative Mm -hmm. and I mean there's been elements of that have run throughout my family uh, in different ways that, you know, she's a great kid. Um, but at that point it's like, you know, what am I going to do if I, you know, I'm, I'm able to support myself now. I've been sober for three years. I want, you know, what if I want to do something more? What if I want to help other, you know, have a, have a family, help other people? Um, yeah.
1: Um,
0: that's incredible dude i i uh i can't i can't imagine the amount of work it takes to to go through that and do that and pull that pull that off you know it's something it's not in my skill set um so it's fascinating to me what it takes to go through and do that and you said so you went to korea for a few months to teach english it was only a few months yeah. you were there and you were yeah. saying so you got sober <clears throat> so you're 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 vice of choice was was drinking and opiates yes okay um
2: in 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 uh in in korea the the medical system was there. i swear to you, i got a keith richards blood transfusion at one of these you know, they had like all these weird clinics and stuff or what you know and the thing is is i i had gone in there i had um fallen off a, uh, a brick wall, kind of like trying to get into a courtyard and fall and hurt my shoulder. And immediately they're prescribing me Oxycontin. And, you know, I said no. One time. Mm-hmm. Um, as a former drug, I, I I hadn't been through the program at that point. I didn't understand. I, I thought that would match their growth that I said no the first time. Mm-hmm. no and then it's it's so readily available you know when you're an addict type of stuff it's like you're not gonna it's that readily available it's there's gonna be a fucking problem um so yeah I mean that's something I know about myself I unfortunately I, I approach music a lot in the same way a lot of things that I do um you just kind of go after it, and yeah, um that's that's uh one thing that I did want to talk to you about how I was telling you that uh the first time I listened to your podcast was when I was hearing all the stuff about Be well coming out.
0: Mm, yeah, with McTernan.
2: right. but I was curious because uh, you know, we'd always work. Uh, a lot with Brian McKernan, and you know, definitely that. uh man, rock and roll killing machine was three different two inch tape machines caught on fire during the recording of that. Like, he had to move from the past. We had to, he had to, it was, it was crazy. He had to uh, talk to Ken Olden, I believe, and they hadn't uh, spoken in a while. And when he went in there, had old it hooked up. He gave him his two inch tape machine to use. We used it. He hadn't been using it, so the fan on the back was not hooked up. So we got to the last song, and smoke starts pouring out the back. Good. Uh, so by the time that third time, that third time, I swear to God, when we went in the studio and uh, everything went fine, we tracked all the, the drum tracks, but the practice, the, the tape that we'd had of you know, the song that was supposed to be like, uh, say, I, I don't know, 29 minutes long, and it was like 27 and, and a half minutes long. Like, <laughs> I'm playing these as fast as I can, so nothing catches on fire. So, I'm like struck by a bolt of lightning, so you know, I'm cinder blocked and drop out of the ceiling. Yeah,
0: yeah, dude, yeah, so, the turn in chat was uh was one of my favorites like it was just it was uh, we went to some places i went to some places on there like it was just it's one that i'll always remember just because it was so it was so interesting hearing how many like similarities there were but then also how interesting yeah. his upbringing was it was just he was just kind of on his own like spray painting in the house like all, all sorts of crazy shit uh oh, fuck.
2: Uh, you know what? The, that that's another commonality between like some of the episodes I've listened to you, that you've done. Um, uh, when you interviewed uh, Lex Marshall, mm. I thought that was a great interview. And the, the and the thing is, I didn't listen to it when it came out. I listened to it not long after things came out recently, and there is a fucking there. There's there's I I I, I see it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason is, is because in the end, he was talking about growing up without any rules. And I think this is something that happens a lot to, you know, like I said, I was, a, I was a only kid during, you know, the latchkey era type stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
2: children of the black hole kind of stuff. That's why I, I related to that, which is funny that, you know, when Brian and I knew each other afterward, he was. Um, you know, it's more part of the straight I've seen, and we were more, um, we were already kind of like, you know, a little antagonist, like more punk rock, kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but punk rock, rock and roll, kind of, yeah, but yeah. that happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that may have happened occasionally, um. Yeah, yeah. So when I heard that that podcast, when I heard that podcast with him, a lot of the stuff he was talking about, especially at that time, where it's like the whole concept of, you know, that we're all in this together and, and kind of acknowledging that, that, you know, that mental illness and talking about those long drives. I had those long drives when I was... uh Fourteen or fifteen, when my parents first divorced, mm. um, when I first started to get anxiety attacks. So, part of what I heard is, you know, what he's talking about—the people who uh, really—I think there are a lot of people that really aspired for this normal life. Um, and I sort of heard him talking about that in, in a way, kind of this this children of black hole bumping up against. You know, I I think that he was living a life. That, that that seemed more normal, traditional, or whatever. There are other people I think that never, I never felt like I was going to be normal. And as this is happening, we're talking about uh, maybe doing the band again.
0: What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on their 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and B.U.L.'s new 7-inch now. My- Slash /ppp for 30% off.
2: I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to
0: entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now on Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, So being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. And
2: it's kind of like there's this thing of... uh I mean, we've been out here for a long time. A lot of people like I, I think a lot of people are finally seeing the way the rest of us feel with the depression, with the hopelessness, with the anxiety of what's going to happen tomorrow. Is there going to be a new restriction? Are things going to change are, you know. It's been a lot. It's been coming at us fast and furious. I think. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's part of what I wanted to tell. Mm Um, you know, the, where I was really thinking about drowning man had never really so much been about something. And it's like, this is something I would like to speak on, on, um, you know, issues with mental illness with, you know, I have extreme, uh, ADHD. I have anxiety, which is a fucking great idea. If you want to be the lead singer of a band, I mean, I highly recommend, I highly recommend it. It's great,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Sorry, I, I don't. I don't want. I, I want you to ask questions. I don't want to, or you. You, yeah, yeah. But let's let let's try that human relating thing.
0: Well, this yeah. the one thing that stuck out to me here as like a like a starting point for this conversation of of what we're talking about now. As you said, your parents split up and you had those long drives, uh, but you started having anxiety attacks. That's when you started having anxiety attacks. Is that when you started to first notice uh in a in a mental uh aspect that you were different or or that things weren't normal for you? Is that the first time you started to realize that? Like kind of looking into your own head saying, I think something's wrong here. Or did it stem back from when you were saying, "You know, I'll never Jesus be normal.
2: fuck, Grace. Yeah, yeah, that and and just kind of the parallel between what you were talking about with Brian, it, it, I, I just started to feel that's when I started to have those anxiety ta- attacks, and I started to feel fucking angry mm. for no apparent reason. Um, and I was talking about the the first few i I wanted. To be into punk and hardcore, just because the aesthetic and what it was about—you know—flipping through uh, Thrasher, you know, ads and stuff like this. This is communicating something that uh, that I feel, and 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 soon thereafter, I really think the more uh, emo aspect of things really uh, started to resonate with me. Because, I mean. That's where the real honest, you know, pain is. I mean, a lot of the pain that we suffer, are relationships we have with others. Um, I mean, that's phew, that's really the source of it. Um, you know, going through processing some of this stuff for my divorce, uh, I'm doing it in the songs that I'm doing. You know, I I've I've confined it to this, you know, I've written these songs and I've confined it to there. And I think that's a healthy avenue to, you know, to do that, to have that expression of grief or anger or whatever. But man, that's been with me since I was 14. I just, you know, that anxiety and that uh, I think there's a certain anger of being different, of being, you know, I don't know how to explain
0: that. Dude, it's but, real. It's real. It's that it's that. Everyone wants to fit in, whether you're whether you're uh, an extrovert, an introvert. Even introverts want to feel included and be part of something and not feel different. But when you do that and everything you do feels different, that rage comes out. I mean, it's it's you either turn it inward and get mad at yourself. You turn it outward and get mad at other people. Um, you know what I mean? Like you try to everyone wants to have control of something. And I, I really feel that everyone wants a little bit of right, control. Right. Even if it's just over themselves. And if you don't have that, you have nothing else except to react. And, and whether it's inward or outward, it's going to be rage and anger. Right. I feel,
2: I I, I was just talking to my girlfriend last night about, you know, issues that she is, I, I, uh, you know, her, her raising her son. I I mean, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, with her son's dad. I, I try to, you know, to keep that separate but just the idea of like you know you what to do in the know yeah, I'm doing this for a certain reason but that's kind of you know it, it's a cycle you know then you're, you're bucking against that for the rest of your life uh-huh. um, yeah but
0: well, we all try yeah, to, I mean, we all try to be included in something and be a part of something or, or you know not be so i mean there's a time in our lives we try to be different and try but that's just us trying to figure out who we are and then once you figure out who you are you find you know your tribe you find your people uh whether it be hardcore punk rock uh football um anything like you find your people you find who you connect with um and and that's kind of where you end up but it's it's a it's a it's a matter of what you carry with you when you get there. Like for you probably after soon after that, after 14 is probably when you started losing control like that and getting that anger and then finding, you know, hardcore and stuff like that. Probably soon after that is when you started self-medicating, I would assume just because that's something you can control.
2: It it was, it was, it was, you know what? I didn't start self-medicating for, until my 30s really until my 30s and it was over a relationship yes i wow. didn't start thir- I, I, until my 30s i was barely there were i would drink very occasionally um i was living in boston i was part of this uh collective that you know a lot of people in, involved um scott from uh daltonic uh john McCroy, jake uh, you know, people from, from Piebald and Caven and just like all these fans that were popping up around that time. Uh, I think uh, Pete from uh, Sweet Pete <laughs> um, from In My Eyes. Yes. Um, anyway, so yeah, I mean a lot of this kind of community building stuff. Okay. Pause right here say the question again because i just bugged out about like i can't remember his fucking name
0: <laughs> no i was just talking about how i i I would assume that you would started self-medicating way sooner because of all these things were changing but you mentioned in your <laughs> right. 30s that over a relationship right. how no, that no,
2: i mean most of my i spent a lot of the musicians i hung out with um you know in the early days i mean i was friends with uh with with matt pike and a lot of people you know people in Converge and and, uh i mean dillinger we're we're always straight edge um yeah a a, a lot of those early but i was very restrained was very uh you know maybe uh every you know on a weekend every two weeks i worked in bars nobody hates drunk people like i hated drunk people Mm -hmm. Um, the so I wrote the song black tie night fight about working the door during spring fling with all the frat boys and wanting to this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot of murder fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. cartoonish, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know if that, if that answers that question, but it's uh. I'm what were you doing? What were
0: you doing between fourteen and thirty? That was getting was handling that rage and that anxiety.
2: Oh my god! Playing in bands, playing in bands. I up, fucking music. love it. Yeah, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And um, the thing is, I've really been thinking lately about it is like some of my favorite shows have been house shows, basement shows. That that's why you know we get put on these big stages and it's like sometimes it works and sometimes i know what i'm doing but i i really like interacting with people Mm -hmm. um i i i I do like festivals i do like festivals because there's more of a you know you can sit at the merch table and talk to people and you know i like it when people ask me questions like what does this mean or you know they can say like i I have this feeling but you know i read this lyric this changed my mind about something great I mean, even through our Instagram account, like I've been, there's been some people that have, you know, been expressing some stuff, just needing people to talk to. And I, I try to talk to people when I can, you know? Yeah. I I think that stuff's important. Uh, again, I, I used to run that teen center. Um, we had other programs there and it was a lot about like bringing people in and making them feel included The kids that didn't feel included anywhere else. Um, that's always been really important to me yeah i think and to do that in a way that's not exclusionary um i i really think i am a again but i was telling the other podcast. i believe fucking so strongly in adult play mm-hmm. we need this we need this to you know through all this stuff with COVID, like, you know, us hanging out I, as a group of friends with the band, like we're, we we just do, we do photo shoots with weird masks and stuff on it and, and just like do stuff to like freak each other out. Or um, there may have been one practice where Matt Roy hid my cell phone about five or six different times. And, and it was very upsetting to me at the time. It's, 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 it's horseplay. It's horseplay. It's fun. It's fun. It makes you, I don't know. It's juvenile, but we're not hurting anybody it makes you feel fun. But man, the music we're playing, we have that kind of camaraderie and we're playing stuff sometimes that it's like you, you get that feeling. again. Mm-hmm. that feeling that you get in the pit, your pit of your chest when you're playing something and it's just like, this works, this makes me happy. This is what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think that to the extent that we can, that right now we're limiting ourselves how do we maximize that stuff? A lot of this stuff in recovery, I use a lot of uh, Buddhist principles. And it's like, let's just maximize, let's just fucking maximize the part that we're enjoying that's giving us pleasure. Let's savor the things that are giving us pleasure. Know that things are going to arise that are, you know, problems that, you know, we're going to have to deal with, that any band will have to deal with deal with them as quickly as possible and efficiently but fucking savor the stuff that we enjoy mm-hmm. um it, it seems like a way to be doing things
0: dude this brings me this brings me back to two conversations that i've had on the show one from a long time ago was with liam from dillinger uh who uh i'm sure you know um i do he's a he's Great a wonderful God. human being And we were talking about he's basically just throwing a temper tantrum on stage as an adult and how good it feels. And we talked about Mm. that, like, the the fucking tantrums. Like, sometimes you just need to fucking throw yourself on the floor and start hitting it and screaming like a child does uh, and how good it is for you. And and that was something that we had never talked about on the show and I hadn't talked to anyone about for for, uh, forever, how important that is. Like, there's a reason it happens when you're a kid and then there's a reason it doesn't happen when you're an adult because it's not accepted. It's not acceptable.
2: Keep you composed. But yep. on the other hand, where they, they're doing these things where they're like having like rooms that you can go in and smash everything. That's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. That's smash plates great. and
0: throw hammers and shit. Oh, it's yeah. totally juvenile. But it's the, that
2: whole thing of the concept of like knocking over all the stools and the pizza plates, even though we picked it up afterwards, but we just like Knock shit over. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I mean, we weren't doing it to be mean, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta do that. You gotta, um, it's gotta be cathartic. Um, I've, I've always felt in a way like we occupied the space when we first started playing together. Um, I was in an emo band. Right before that, um, we had opened for Texas is the reason. We, we'd done three shows. and One of them was for Texas is the reason. One of the best shows I've ever fucking seen. Texas is the reason uh, portions of the past. Ah, and I'm forgetting the other band name. Um, it was a band that we played in three different shows we played before we broke up. Wrote for a year, played three shows, and broke up. And I was so disillusioned and then i went with friends and saw dead guy for a weekend and i was before that i was like fuck hardcore i like this more emo stuff and i saw that and i was like holy fucking god i like this Mm -hmm. and then it became i went back to vermont and started recruiting people i mean that's i've been good at recruiting people that are like-minded and it's like how do we put this chocolate and this peanut butter mm-hmm. you know and and so many people have have done a different version of it now but ours was very primitive like you know i don't I proto whatever the proto bands that use uh flattening irons
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. Hair <laughs> straighteners. I know exactly you what go. you're talking about. Oh, there you go. That's the scene I grew up in, and that's uh wow, well, or right, my formative years, I guess, in my twenties. But um,
2: dude, we were one of the the fucking white belts and shit. Yeah. No, that's white San, Diego, belt, that's San Diego too Dude, the swing kids are one of the fucking best. Pure like screamo emo, like, like that is the fucking blueprint.
0: Yeah yeah dude jp's a a visionary he um -hmm. he's been he's been on show too the the other conversation i was thinking about was just the other day i had chris uh caraba from dashboard confessional on and um he was just talking about savoring everything like you were talking about like just savoring the goods but he's savoring everything after his motorcycle accident he's just like absorbing everything and and loving every moment he has like whether he's doing music or with his kids or whatever just savoring all of it and it can seem overwhelming but it was really interesting watching him process what he was saying like as he's saying it and and then it made sense like how everything else was going with the conversation because he was just savoring everything like just enjoying it and like heightening everything um I, I, I totally
2: agree. And another way to look at that,
0: too, that I look at it from this,
2: you know, these Buddhist precepts, Of the, I really understand resonates with me, this whole thing of attachment and aversion. So say you're saying that 50% of stuff is bad. 50% of stuff is good. It's not like that, mm-hmm. you know, but attachment and aversion is like when bad stuff happens. Don't be too. You're 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 prolonging it by being overly attached to it, and having all these emotions and going through all these stages. It, it's easy. It, it's not easy to say just fucking release it. And also, we so many of the moments that we should be savoring, we realize like something occurs to us and we're in that moment. And then you start worrying about it going away and losing it. And you're not saving it. You're not, you're fucking taking pictures of it. Mm -hmm. You're taking pictures of it for Instagram because God knows you're not living a fucking actual life unless people know about it on social media. Um, So I think that, that this is I'm doing a flat, doing a doing a uh, rewind to something that we were talking about okay. earlier about the technology. Something that I was talking to with a, a good friend of mine, um, Ian uh, McCullough, the, uh, the the gravel king of of Vermont. Um, we were talking the other day about uh, this period where, a transformation from where technology with cell phones was an accessory. Like the 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 you know, this was a thing that helped us with our life. Now it has become a life. You, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like and, and his analogy too that he said uh whereas it was like you know, it now it's become the steering wheel, whereas it was a lever over here, like something that you could use, like an auxiliary thing. Like now it's the thing. Um that I I think that we really need to ratchet back all that stuff in order to facilitate you know human communication i think that i mean god if anything comes out of all this stuff that when things are you know back to normal as whatever normal becomes mm-hmm. um or innovative um come catch us with me playing with a, uh, a riot shield, uh, while we're on the front of the stage. Well, I don't give i get, I'll fucking, I'll steal a, a, a sneeze guard from an olive garden. I don't care. <laughs> it's getting done. It's getting done.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> the a world keeps starting
2: from
0: an olive garden.
1: <laughs> hey,
2: Hey, I don't care. You, you know what? If, if live music is dead, drowning man's going to ride the coffin into the grave yeah i don't
0: give a fuck yeah Uh, i had uh i speaking of that and the 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 instagram stuff like my therapist actually asked me in one of my first appointments with her what do you want your life to look like and i just out of nowhere just said i want it to look like someone's instagram because you know for damn sure they're not posting anything negative. It's all the good shit, and then you see their life. <laughs> this is my like, curated life. Exactly. I, I want it to look life. like a person's Instagram. That's what I want it to look like. And she's like, "Well, that seems kind of ridiculous." And I was like, "Isn't it though? Like, that's <laughs> you asked me. What do you want your life? Of course, I want it to be great. uh But all those good moments strung together versus everything in between, and that ties into too with with mcturnan talking about how and i also i still feel bad i still feel this way but i still feel bad about it is that when when the people you go home to aren't enough to make you feel better and the guilt that comes from that uh i think i remember that really resonating with brian and me uh, talking about that where you can't physically get out of the hole you're in right now and even going home to those people you can't
2: man it's not him not loving himself Mm -hmm that's my when when I hear when I hear and I'm sorry and I know that you do it too like you fill in the blanks for a lot of other people like just where you're trying to and it's great you know you're trying to tell people this is my experience like maybe it'll help you maybe it'll benefit you but I think that when that kind of thing like I do have guilt for you know my uh, times and bringing up my kid that I wasn't there or wasn't present or uh, I'll tell you this fucking having an abscess too bad that makes you present your present moment yeah fuck yeah (laughs) you're aware (laughs) but um yeah just not having that present awareness and the thing is it's because you're in your own head you're thinking about your own shit you're thinking about I got to do this tomorrow you're not um you're not taking care of yourself properly you're not writing these meetings that you're, you're 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 letting this stuff clutter in your head. You're creating extra work for yourself. You're not setting a time for yourself at the end of the day to be I'm fucking done right now. I have done all this stuff. Now I'm taking this time and I'm shutting off my phone and I'm like hanging out with the people I love. And we're not doing that. You know, that's I I think that's the problem. And when I hear that, I'm not saying this that that, that's true of Brian, but I, I, I think that a lot of people like that. That feeling, that inability to connect is, man, part of it, I think, is um, us feeling like we're not good enough, mm. us, uh, the, the inner critic, it's that inner critic, uh, you know, as judgmental as we are. And I think this happens a lot, too, with musicians Yeah, you know, people that are operating on the top of their game. It's like, yeah, you know, you're you're being fucking ultra critical with your stuff. You're putting yourself through this grind of criticism. It, it has served us. We have done good stuff because we have put things through this. I don't know about you. But there are a lot of songs that I've been, I've been writing and I rewrote, I rewrote. That's like, this is the theme. No, I think I can say it better this way. We've put ourselves through that mill. Um, and I think that, you know, you can work yourself like that. And you do. That Brian telling that story, I heard the workaholic. I heard the workaholic that I had become mm-hmm. um, to the point where I'm not having the relationship with my kids that I could be happy because it's all about dollars and cents like I have to keep you know so they can have this thing or that thing um yeah i I think that we're that sometimes that we're really just not taking care of ourselves so in no way when I heard that I said, you know thought I'd like to lend my voice to that too or just you know the whole thing of uh. Us not taking care of ourselves enough, and acknowledging that that this has been going on for a long time pre-COVID.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I think there's some people that are really suffering in COVID because they've had these pre-existing mental conditions, and they're like, "We've been out here for a fucking long time." You know, mm-hmm. and it's not an easy time to get mental health services uh, to get in to see a doctor. It's difficult, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I'm. I'm totally sympathetic of how fucking overworked people working in the medical field are. And they're putting themselves in the front line every day with people with COVID. It's a catch 22.
0: Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. It really is. And, and, uh, you know what you said there too, about like dollars and cents. Like that's one of my main worries is cause I'm the only breadwinner of the family. So if i'm sick and or not working or i'm always focused on how to make enough money so my kids can do this uh so we can eat so we have a house that we can live in you know like all these things that rely on that uh it becomes my focus a lot of the time to where then uh you know could i do this better to make more or even the podcast like right now i'm doing this i'm not with my kids and I've I've said this before. In in, in- Did
2: you fucking feel? I'm sorry. As soon as you said that, it became a thing where like instant identification of something that you were saying that I've never been able to articulate somebody, to somebody. But do you ever feel like? And I used to have these about going to uh, recovery meetings or whatever. I just felt guilty about any time that I was spending where I could be spending them with my kids.
1: Mm-hmm. It
2: would always flash there for a second. Okay.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a realization. uh, with my therapist, I talk about my therapy all the time. I'm pretty open about it because I, I, I've joked with my therapist. Can we just do it and put it online? Like just, just because we do it over Zoom. So like, I was like, can we just put this on Twitch or something? Like, I think right. people might benefit I mean, this is from it. You know,
2: gets made. Yeah, yeah, I have no, I
0: have nothing to hide. But uh, she's like, yeah, that breaks a bunch of laws, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna talk about it anyway. And and one of the things that came up is how much I talk about this show being like a journal for my kids later that they can listen to my voice. You know, my dad had a radio show and I have tapes of him doing his thing. The difference is that I realized is, are my kids going to be in their 30s or 40s and when I'm gone or whatever? And listening to the show and being like, fuck, I wish this 900 hours of podcast he was at home instead of me having to listen to him after the fact. And that really changed things on its head like two hundred episodes right. in like my motivations are completely wrong. you know what
2: when you say that, my reply to that is um, probably uh, in during that first year of trying you know trying to be a single dad mm-hmm. and going on a walk with uh, my oldest who. Um, Celia um, they them she they, they turned to me and, and said we're having this deep philosophical talk and sometimes my kids will, will do that stuff and make it I like talk to them like an adult they're very smart people and she said daddy I think the reason why we're putting here on earth is to do something that's going to be remembered after we're gone." And I was like, holy fuck. Just got a lump in my mm-hmm. throat. Like, that's it. That's it. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you've imparted that on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's. Uh, I mean, that kind of dovetails of what you were just saying mm-hmm. too. I think.
0: Yeah, it's something so. that's. And I and I'm in construction, so like today all day I was building America, as they say. Like I'm building these buildings that that uh, are going to last beyond all of us, and and give people homes and give people hotels they can't afford. And and uh, you know you think about so you build an apartment complex and you're like, man, this is going to give a bunch of people homes. And then you build a hotel and you're like, this is going to fucking ruin so many marriages and so many and people are going to kill themselves in here, like. And you think about where it's going to end up, you know, like, but it will in, in all actuality outlast you. Like this building you're working on right now will be here when you're dead and and way beyond, just like with this show, just like with your records, like what you've put out in the world is going to outlast you regardless of, of, of what people do with it. Um, No, I I agree. I mean, that's,
2: that's the objective, and is to do something. Uh, we had uh, this kind of a uh, feeling. Like, uh, geez, feeling like the 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 Forrest Gump of hardcore because I mean, we started in the you know the late nineties, and we're playing with you know we were around before Caden. You know, very shortly or you know, around the same time we started playing with them, highballed and. Converge and then, you know, the early Hydrahead stuff. And then we're there playing with Dillinger as they're first coming out. Um, from their darkest hour mm-hmm. opened for us on their first US tour. Uh, after that, then Victory started to pay their bands to get on our tour as openers. So next thing is, we go out with Thursday, right? When that video fucking comes out, like, I swear to God, they did a week on the tour. They fucking leave to go play four warp tour dates. And then the rest of the tour is like, you know, tons of people coming to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that again, but with a, a Treyu, And it's like, it's funny. Um, yeah we we definitely after that i think that uh we had our shot at a certain point you know when things were you know we could have made the transition to be that band that plays these bigger shows but we didn't have it in us and i don't know that i hate that Mm -hmm. i don't know that i hate that because we always became a band that would you know rather play a house show and Maybe some windows will get broken out, and that's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, we played a lot of basement shows. Played in the basement of uh, Keith uh, Keith Buckley. We've showed up late to a show. We played a, a lot for um, more locally, and more more than locally, we played in Syracuse and Buffalo. Mm-hmm we've we showed up late to a Buffalo show and played in Keith Buckley's basement. And that was after we'd, we'd written that record with, with Brian McTernan, which we had played at a fast rate and we're playing it in a fucking basement for the first time. So it sounds like crazy. Like it's hard to hear what's going on. And I was like, wow, these songs can't be played live. Fuck this. So,
0: no. no i was just curious if they play I've, I've i was just curious if they played that show too if uh or if it was just like hey come play my basement
2: just come play my basement they they it got to, like we would play there and we would play with them and it got to the point like where after the show we would go out with them mm-hmm. we'd go to like wherever the party was in buffalo uh that kind of stuff yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. And it was a kind of a a weird, like, uh, by the time I stopped playing hardcore, you know, when I started doing a lot like law school, all that stuff, all this part of my life, that is fucking dead and gone,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, that's dead and gone. So I was like, you know, uh, a friend of mine used to uh, fading into the middle class, (laughs) you know, that's what I done. Fading into the middle class. Like I done like, Okay. My kids were born, and I have had this logical thought in my mind: I, my life, no, it's about their life now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no good things will happen for me anymore; all for them. Yeah, the kind of thing, you know. And and that's that's a real imbalanced way to live. Um, yeah, you know, parents of seventies. 70s and 80s you know that more that me generation parenting or stuff you know but we we changed as parents you know where it became more about the kids and we're not you know just leaving them to their own devices kind of stuff
0: it's all about balance and it's it's all about balance and i mean your kids want to see you do what you want to do they want to see you do cool shit like they want to see whether they care about like and most people i talk to in bands that their kids don't give a shit who they are uh but i had to go through six different people to talk to this person so like it's really funny like they're they're just dad to their kids right but they want to see uh their parents do things that make them happy versus just being at home with them all the time right like you find that balance like you spend the right amount of time with them but you also get sad you only get one life too so like you you have to enjoy it as well and uh you know some people are completely content you know spending every hour with their kids and doing that thing and that's what brings them joy but if you have a passion outside of that they want to see you do that
2: right it's, it's just uh this kind of uh Polar extremes, mm-hmm. you know, it's either all or nothing. And when I look at it and I really think about it now, I, I mean, I've, I've raised these, these children to be human weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the art classes from an early age, music classes, stuff that they've been doing. Um, yeah. They're excited about it. Uh, the visualizer we put up of the new song. That's them in the the uh, wolf mask the uh yeah the wolfman mask and the kind of uh, motocross mask and just doing weird they, they're they're uh both of them are great artists in their own right uh my youngest is also playing piano and just really good at that stuff. so i i think that you know beyond just that and, and i've had them doing uh we do these little skits you know we record and stuff like they're very good at that Like they understand that that kind of stuff i've always been good at like mm-hmm. the, the play aspect um so yeah i mean that, that i think that, that it gives them my my uh, daughter is very uh she's definitely they're entering their emo phases which is is crazy to me that that is still a thing you know that that's it's great that it's coming back
0: around you know yeah for sure and it's so this new this new music you're doing are you guys doing you guys doing a record or an ep you know what
2: we haven't decided, and we are in the great luxury of. Uh, so, I'm telling you a story about you know, of listening to the Brian McCarnaugh stuff mm-hmm. around that time. This friend, uh, a friend of mine, Kevin, uh, who I'd met this is I had met him when he was 17, and this is right after I got sober. He's in a band called Romans, they needed a show. I was living in Wichita, Kansas, they needed a show. I put it on a show for them. They played at my house. Uh, lived in this apartment building. The tornado siren would go off in the middle of the night. So Kevin, seventeen year old Kevin, has this memory of me coming out of my room in my boxers with a ball peen hammer and going out of the hallway and smashing thing until it stopped. So fast forward all these years later, and he's like, "I want you. drowning men have to get back together. It's going to happen. I'm going to." It was almost to the point where it was going to like be nine inch nails, but Kevin.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so uh, and then uh, again, while I was going through this divorce, you know, Kevin, I got to be close with Kevin. You and I would talk a lot. I also got uh, to be close with my friend TJ Menard, who's uh, in a band called Gastly Sound mm-hmm. on magnetic, magnetic Eye Records. Um, and if he can do a band where the only stringed instrument it is a three piece it's just drums and a bass. So if you can do that, you can you can probably do the rest with man. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, we got these people together. And ever since then, we've just really been keeping our eye on. Um, new material is our main thing. We just felt like we had something to say and something we wanted to do. And it's been it's been great. It's uh, it happens when it happens. We're trying to do it right. Um, and we think that people are, are gonna like it. People have been liking it. What little we've been doing so far.
0: So Yeah. That new song I heard is, is phenomenal, dude. It's awesome. And that you see you're saying on that other pocket that was a demo? Yeah. Dude, Please. it sounds killer. Yeah. Um, I can't
2: say enough enough about uh Vinny from uh the underground student Vinny Freeman, who the, Okay, we worked with also um definite extra big thanks to uh Johnny man six man and uh executive vocal producer Jackson Jack that that's his name
0: Jackson Jack yep nice
2: yep so um <laughs> Yeah. And again, you know, that, that's what makes me feel good. Like it, we are developing this little, I feel a community building again. Um, even through our Instagram account. Um, there are a lot of people that, you know, check in with me occasionally and, you know, have stuff to say. And I know that we'll answer. And when does that become unmanageable? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, I've always been—we've always been the band that will, you know, hang out with, hang out with kids in the parking lot and smoke in Newport,
0: dude. That's excellent, man. I, 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 I have to ask you this: though, being well, not being from Kansas, but spending time in Kansas, and I'm not sure the years you were there and whatnot. But like, have you ever played the outhouse or heard of the outhouse in Kansas? It was a, it was a venue, like a cinder block building in the middle of a cornfield. Yes. And uh, now it's a BYOB strip club. (laughs) Uh, I have not,
2: I've seen, I've seen the, uh, I've seen the, the, that, that clips in the documentary. I've tried to find it other places. Um, What's his name? It's
0: on Vimeo. You have to do
2: it on Vimeo. The other thing is people should go watch it. Um, I'm trying to remember his name on your it's escaping me right now um you might want to say something after the episode he uh, just passed away uh the 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 guy who made that made Brad, the documentary Brad, Norm, Brad Norman Brad Norman who made that documentary just passed He just away.
0: passed oh my god that's uh, awful Yeah it, Yeah it was no, such a well done movie it, it,
2: it, that, that sounds so scary like talking about like when when fishbone <laughs> is doing that, they're like talking about like we're driving up. What the fuck are these white people gonna do? Like, when are they gonna <laughs> jump out? Like, this is where they kill off? us. <laughs> yeah, or people, the fugazi, talking about the getting out of the van and there's people shooting off shotguns. So we grew up with that teen center where we had adult supervision, and, and I've said to some of my friends, imagine what that would have been like with fucking no adult supervision. Yeah, somebody would have died. Somebody would have died. what <laughs> would happened
0: fucking legends yeah. playing this cinder block room in in mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere with yeah i got turned on to this club I, I never knew about it so i toured for a long time and i never even heard of that venue and then i saw oh, a documentary i was like oh my god this is
2: incredible okay it looks fucking psychotic yeah and some of the bands that played there and and, and i love how uh every time they ask ice about it, because Body Camp played there, he will fucking flip out. dude. Yeah, fucking outhouse, yeah. Because, <laughs> it's like, it's probably, he's, he's been playing in all these stadiums and all this stuff. It was probably the first time where he was, like, got that little inkling at the hardcore show of, like, I might die, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Somebody could come, yeah.
0: Dude. Yep. I get sent. I got <laughs> sent that documentary, the link to it, from a listener in the show, and, and uh, Man, he's he's always talking about Kansas, but, like, the, the that one, I, I, I went and bought it immediately and watched it, and it was so good. Uh, right. It just goes back to that isolation, man. Like, it's just this cool little spot that, yeah, I mean, it'd be in the hearts of a lot of people. Uh, but not everyone, but a, a lot of you people.
2: Gotta, you got to fucking build your own stuff. And I, I think that's, you, you know what? That's the other thing is that when all of this happened and I was going to move back here, we had this plan that we I was telling you about the like playing in convenience stores. Mm-hmm. We had this plan where we could we could actually do this with absolutely no human contact. Mm-hmm. Like just content, like videos, write songs and do that. But like it, 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 it's reaching a, a point where it's like, no, I need to go get my hands on people. I yeah. want to talk to people. Um and, and part of that too is, you know, as difficult as everything is, I just feel this like there's a rebirth coming of this stuff. I feel really great about the music that we're writing, the comradeship that's developing between uh TJ, Kevin, and uh Javen and, and Matt and I. And like it's we want to bring that to people mm-hmm. um you know we want people to have a good time or uh to take part in the uh the fuck around mm-hmm. as we as we call it
0: yeah. yeah dude get get one giant temper tantrum of adults
2: <laughs> like
0: leah was saying it's
2: a beautiful true. thing a beautiful thing
0: it is dude oh my god it is well, man, this has yeah. been this has been awesome, man. i I really uh I really enjoyed this chat, dude. I really um I'm stoked that you guys are coming back and doing music again. And and uh I w- I was so stoked when when John when John uh, uh originally said that you were wanting to come on the show, like or being to come out on the show, I was like, excellent. And I talked to Dan Sanshaw and we're like, maybe we should hold off just a little bit because they're gonna probably be doing some stuff. So I was like, okay, so we'll hold off for a little bit. And then I talked to him. The other day, uh, we have a weekly call because I'm on. I'm on Equal Vision for the show, as you know, and and um, right. so we talk every week.
2: I I, I know Dan well. Yes, I know and Dan he's like, well.
0: "Dude, let's do it." And I was like, "All right, perfect." So I told John, "All right, connect us. Let's do it." And here we are, like two days later. Did, did Dan, <laughs> Dan. Dan. Dan must have put in some kind of word of warning. No, no. He said it's okay. going to be interesting. That's all. That's all he said. I was like, oh, "They're yes. all interesting. They're yeah. all interesting." <laughs> yes. No, Dan, no, I I uh, that's gonna be a safe for Yeah, he's uh he's a good man. He's a good man. He's been he my partner for years now, and and uh we've been friends for over twenty and uh I, I can't have nothing but good things to say about Dan Sancho. I talk about him on here all the time. But uh
2: Yeah. Um yeah. do you know uh Ian Solomon who works at Merch Now. He's, he used to kind of, he was sort of, when Dan came in, he was originally doing some of what Dan did, mm-hmm. and there was a transition. He, uh, we played our first, it was his old band uh, I'll Fall Down mm-hmm. in uh, 1991. I've known him forever. Uh, he and Buddy, another guy that worked in the Merch Now print shop, we just we've been playing in bands with them forever there was this albany uh Vermont connection and he Buddy, filled in on our first tour with earth crisis uh yeah. back in back in 1993 he used to play in a band called substance too but uh they used to roadie for us sometimes and i remember we were out for a weekend and had a very had a show in a practice space with converge and morning again in 1998 uh i was playing and the landlord came to shut it down i'm down on one knee and you know just having my having a fit yeah having a fit yeah hey let's call it call what it is um and the landlord reached his hand just pulled the microphone out of my hand so that's my friend Am I remembering this right that a cop is like, no, it was a landlord. And I said, no, anybody that pulls a
0: microphone from my hand is a cop. (laughs) Hey,
2: it's been great talking
0: to you. It's been awesome talking to you, man. And yeah, you're welcome back anytime. We could do, we could do a part two, part three, whatever, whenever you're feeling it Uh, just hit me up, dude. And we'll, we'll do it. This has been awesome. I'm stoked for what you're going to be doing. I can't wait to hear the, the rest
2: we're going in, uh, April 4th with Steve Evans. Oh my man. He, he, he's, uh, I called him and he's like, are you kidding? He's like this is perfect. I'm moving back to the East coast. He just bought a new studio yeah. and, uh, in New Jersey, we're going to be the first band to, to practice there or to play there. Um, we had all this other stuff. of like, this label is going to do this or that or whatever. It was stressing us out. We were just like, "Fuck this! We're paying for it, and then mm-hmm. we'll figure
0: it out later." Dude, Steve's yeah. the best man. I he's coming back on too. We're just gonna tell stories. Oh, he's uh, oh, he's wonderful.
2: <laughs> you know what? That fucking podcast. That is my favorite podcast that you have done because you just captured a, a you captured a great snapshot of Steve made me fall in love with steve evans all over again
0: dude, that's excellent <laughs> yeah it's like
2: dude. no i heard it and i'm like same fucking steve same steve i love it i don't want to talk about silver chair the whole time well we can
1: all right <laughs>
2: there, there was some silver chair talk for sure yes
0: there was yeah but uh yeah man well tell him hello for me if you see him before i do or talk to him before i do uh because I, I i love that dude and he's so great i'm stoked you guys are working together that's awesome hey
2: we'll 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 do a little something we'll let you know when we're going there we'll do a little studio oh hell yeah broadcast for, for five minutes say hi to steve yeah cool i'd love it it'll be cool all
0: right simon community
2: community we're building it we're doing it we're building it 100% bro I love what you do. I love what you do. And I like you bringing people
0: together. Dude, thank you You're so much, man. man. I appreciate that. Likewise. We'll uh, we'll talk All soon. Right. All right. All right, brother. See, See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Simon Brody from Drowning Man. The dude is prolific. He's doing amazing stuff with music. Uh, he's a lawyer. He's just a, an all-around interesting dude. He had a lot of great things to say and a lot of insight. I know he was struggling on that interview with some uh tooth pain you had an abscessed tooth uh, and it was almost going to cancel but decided not to and i think it went well uh i just felt bad knowing he was in so much pain uh during the chat that's happened once before where someone was in an intense jaw pain uh but we went through the interview anyway or the conversation rather and it was like two and a half hours and i felt so bad by the end uh that they had to go through that but it was it was incredible that they pushed through just like simon did Um, it just shows, you know, the tenacity of, of, uh, dudes in hardcore, man, just tough and tough as nails and, uh, and sweet as ever, (laughs) if you could do that soft and sweet. Uh, but thanks to Simon for coming on. Thanks to John from beautiful mistake for hooking us together. Um, and yeah, I mean, good things are coming, man. We've got a lot of big things coming in the pipeline. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled to that head over to the Facebook group. If you want to see who's coming up. Uh, and head over to, if you're on Spotify, rate the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, review the show. Write a little review. We love to see those. Um, keep the emails coming. The messages coming. I really, really appreciate it. I love each and every one of you guys very much. I say it every week. And I say that I say it every week. Um, but I mean it. Uh, as the numbers grow and the and the, the family grows here, it's just, uh, it warms my heart to see that. Because we're really working hard for you. And uh, when you guys enjoy it, it just makes it all worthwhile. Um, you know, I initially started this to do it for me and an uh, and outlet, but it became so much more than that uh, with how many people have gravitated towards what we're doing here. Um, I try to make it as original as possible, but when you do things for yourself, <clears throat> you know, it, it's gonna be the way it comes out. And, I'm, and the fact that other people enjoy it as much as I do really uh, means a lot to me. So thank you very much for coming back week after week. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna keep doing this as long as I can. Um, but I just love seeing those numbers grow and seeing all the messages come in. So keep those coming. We have big stuff coming for you. And uh, as always, guys, we'll see you on the radio.